Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams. And I'm Joe Anderson. Hey, Joe. Um, Wow. So this week, we're going to be talking about losses. And our audience is a lot of maintenance folks. And they're used to dealing with, you know, reliability issues and breakdowns of equipment. What? Two questions really quick to kick it off. What's the difference between a loss and a breakdown? And is a loss a reliability issue? Uh, okay. So let's look at it like this. Uh, a breakdown is a type of loss. So it sits, you know, underneath the umbrella of what we would call losses. And losses in general, they're all reliability issues. Okay. So if you can picture, right, a typical day in your uh, maintenance department, you're firefighting getting a bunch of calls there's a lot of chaos and your guys are responding um, planning and scheduling isn't going well or you don't do it at all and it's just typical you know respond to call respond to call but when you're responding to those calls how many times are you actually replacing a part and so by definition of breakdown, which we'll get into a little later, is any stop 10 minutes or more and requires a part replacement. And so you have to ask yourself, how many of those calls am I getting called to during all this chaos that's requiring me to replace a part versus how many times am I going over and maybe tweaking a machine for an operator or um, trying to solve an issue that isn't specifically maintenance related but they rely on us to come out and help them problem solve. And so I, I think the problem is, is we don't understand plant losses, how to break them down. Um, we have a single bucket of downtime called unplanned downtime. And that because we call it unplanned downtime, everybody thinks that that unplanned downtime bucket solely belongs to maintenance. Or maintenance, for the most part, gets the blame for most of it. But the question is, is when you have a single bucket called unplanned downtime, what do you go after? What, what direction does this give you? And how do you go solve unplanned downtime since it's this humongous bucket and you don't quite understand what all the issues are to fall into this bucket? And so if you want to go out and make things better, how do you do that with the single bucket called the unplanned downtime? I, well, I, I know if I'm the plant manager, what I do is call the maintenance guy and say, how come there's so much unplanned downtime? Right. And, and again, it kind of falls back because we don't define what those buckets are and understand and document each of the buckets and the types of losses that we're seeing. Um, it's hard for us to defend ourselves. So... Being a maintenance manager, and in the past, having been a maintenance manager, um, advice I could give to any maintenance manager out there, or anybody in maintenance in general, is start by understanding, one, how you should be performing, right? So do some simple math, and it's fairly easy. One is understand, just take one line. Okay, one line, understand what is the design rate of this piece of equipment, not the planned rate or whatever um, you guys call it. What is the design rate? When we bought this machine, we bought it 
for a reason and we were expecting it to run at its design rate the problem is is other issues uh, within the line um, it creates chaos so we slow it down to a level in which we can run steady but what we're doing by doing that we're not solutioning issues and this becomes the new norm so we're actually hiding losses so i would do this right we know how the morning production meeting normally goes and it's, you know, you had a 30 minute breakdown last night, therefore we didn't hit our numbers. And so, <laughs> and it's true, but no one questions it. And the maintenance manager sits there getting beat up on in the meeting. So what I've done is in the past, I, I go in there prepared. Okay. First off, I understand what the, what is the design rate of the equipment? Then I do some simple math. Okay. So for example, let's say the design rate of this line's uh, capacity is a hundred units a minute. Okay. And we run seven hours of scheduled time in, in that one. We'll just take a shift. Okay. So a hundred units a minute times seven hours. Okay. That would be 6,000 units an hour, right? It'd be a hundred units times 60 minutes, 6,000 units an hour times the seven hours that you ran, which equals 42,000 units that you should have produced. Okay. Your 30 minute breakdown cost you 3,000 units. So in the end, because of that breakdown, we should have produced 39,000 units. The problem is, is we only produced, say, 20,000 units. And so the question you have to ask as a maintenance manager to everyone else sitting in that meeting is, where's the other, you know, 19,000 units? Yeah, no doubt. I'll take the hit for mine, right? Right. The hit for my 3,000, but where's the other 20? Yeah, where's the other, you know, almost 20,000 units that we should have ran last night? And so by posing that question, okay, one of two things are going to happen or both at the same time is some people are going to get defensive and they always do, right? But other people are going to wonder, wow, I, I never really thought about that before. And so you follow that up by saying, look, I would love to work with everyone here because we are one team, right? And you know that that's preached in your values all the time. And so you use that to your advantage. You say, look, we're one team. I don't care whose fault it is. I want to get better. And so if we could focus on trying to understand where those other losses are, as well as, you know, I'll, I'll work on solutioning mine. I've got to develop a better maintenance strategy. I'll take ownership of that. But where are the other 20,000 units that we should have produced? Right. And so I would like to form a team and I'd like to get your help to understand these losses. Are you willing to do that with me? Okay. But then <laughs> the critical piece is you have to understand losses. Okay. And, and in manufacturing, we've developed what's called the 30 losses of manufacturing. Um, you can see that on our website. We kind of have it posted everywhere. Uh, reliabilityx.com if you want to check it out. But a high-level breakdown is basically there's three sections of the 30 losses. There's the equipment section. Those are equipment-related losses. There's the people-related losses, right? So labor and efficiencies. Um, there's nine of those. And then there's 10 production resource losses. Um, so we kind of break those down. But what we want to focus on um, today is on the equipment side, which there's primarily 11 losses, but more specifically on the seven big losses of OEE. Okay. It's said before in the past that there's six big losses. 
Um, but that hasn't been updated since, you know, the seventies and eighties. We've taken the liberty to update it based on knowledge that we've gained over the years and that it goes, uh, we've added what's called process failures. Um, but once you understand the losses and you define them and establish buckets, and then you can start to track them. Right. So our goal first is let's define them. So in OEE, there's three buckets called availability, performance, and quality. And under availability, you'll have breakdowns, which we stated earlier is 10 minutes or more and requires a part. So any stop 10 minutes or more and requires part replacement is considered a breakdown. Then you have 10 minutes or more and requires no part which is what's called a process failure. So for example, an operator hits an e-stop and the whole line shuts down and it takes you 15 minutes. By the time you call maintenance, get maintenance out there. They try to figure it out. It's 15 minutes has passed. You pull out the e-stop, you hit the button, start the line up again, and there you go, right? So in that example, there's no part replacement. That would be considered a process failure. And then you have what's called setup and adjustments. Setup and adjustment downtime occurs after a changeover has taken place and the first good unit has been produced. So, for example, you do a changeover and first good unit's produced, you're starting to produce, but you realize that the machine hasn't been adjusted correctly or something of that nature. So you have to shut the line down, make the adjustments, come back, start the line up, and get all that stuff squared away. That would, when you stop that line, that downtime, is considered setup and adjustment downtime. And so you take all of that downtime in that availability bucket, you add it up and you subtract it from your total scheduled runtime. And that number divided by the total schedule runtime gives you a percentage, availability percentage, which is one of your OEE calculations, right? Now from there you move on to the performance bucket. Within the performance bucket, you have two losses, which are speed losses and minor stops. Speed losses are whatever the design rate of the equipment is versus what you actually run the machine at, what it's set to run at. Okay, so for example, it's 100 units a minute design, but you set it at 70 units a minute because that's your happy place to make it run a little more smooth. And the reason we run it at 70 is because we're masking minor stops that we haven't solution. So we can't run it, or maybe it's a design issue. Not sure, but it has to be looked into in order to be solved. Right? So speed losses is the subtraction of the design rate minus the actual rate that you set the machine at to run. So in that example, I said you'd have a 30 unit per minute loss on speed losses if you set the machine at 70 and it's designed for 100. So every minute that that line is running in your facility, you're losing 30 units a minute. And then you have minor stops. And minor stops are any stop 10 minutes or less, regardless if there's a part replacement or not. If you can replace parts in under 10 minutes, those are normally operator care functions. Things like replacing suction cups or 
you know, certain little wear components. Those things are things that operators should be doing on their machine. Um, so that's your performance bucket. And then on the quality side, you have startup defects and in-process defects. So startup defects, um, some organizations won't have startup defects, but some will. For example, uh, injection molding, where you have to, you know, heat up the line and make sure your drip is good and all those types of things in order to create, to blow a good bag or blow a good bottle. Um, but all that other product, until you get a good bottle produced, goes to scrap or or regrind or whatever. Um, that would be a startup defect. In-process defects means that defects that occur while you're running or you're in process. So that could be, you know, bad seals. It could be overweights. It could be underweights. It could be foreign material, rejects, any of those types of things. Um, that, that would be your quality in-process quality bucket losses. Um, and so those are your seven losses in your OEE calculation. And so understanding and bucketing those losses. Now, once you understand them and have buckets defined for them, you can start to track them. And so there's multiple ways to track them. And it all depends on the technologies that you have available. Some people have you know, visual plant systems that they can capture a lot of this data from. Um, some don't. So it'll require, you know, manual um, capturing where you'll have maybe operators, you know, uh, documenting every time the line stops. Um, but typically, you know, you want to do this, you know, for at least a week or so just to get a good picture, uh, an overall picture of what it is that you're facing. And so you get everyone to work together, you start tracking them, start understanding, you'll start to see uh, a better picture of where those losses are, what they are, and, and how they're basically eating your lunch. You'll start to see that, you know, now I kind of know where these other 20,000 units are going, per se. <clears throat> yeah. um, right? So the goal here would be, you know, you track them, you get the data, and then you Pareto it based on the bucket and understand what your big buckets are. And then, you know, the goal there is to d develop a strategy and, and go after those losses, try to knock those buckets down. So, you know, it's, I know that so was- So when you identify, when, when you finally get down to, here's the handful of issues that are making up a majority of our losses, how do you build a strategy? A, how do you build a strategy to go after those um, and B, if speed loss is one of them, do you immediately speed up? Uh, no, I, I would definitely, you know, as a part of your strategy, you'd have a plan to set aside a day where you're going to speed it up at rate and run it for, you know, a couple of hours at least to expose what some of those issues you're seeing are because they won't come up during your normal, you know, when you're used to running it at a slower rate. So they don't exist. And the reason they don't exist is because you slowed the machine down. So what you want to do is expose what all those stops are. And then you turn the machine back down to 70, but you have some data points to tell you, um, 
what the issues are that you need to resolve. And like I said, some of them are adjustments. Some of them are, you know, material issues. And it could be, you know, just an overall design issue. It could be, you know, the filler was designed great, but downstream, you know, things couldn't handle it. And so there could be some other issues downstream. Um, But whatever those issues are, as long as you're out there documenting them, at least you have an idea of what it's going to take to gain back those 30 units per minute. And so the point of the strategy is to develop that plan of attack. And when you have a big bar, for example, you know, minor stops and speed losses are normally the top two losses within a facility. And the interrelationship between speed losses and minor stops uh, is is kind of funny because what happens is, is it's normally a whole lot of minor stops in the system is the reason why you slow down the machine. And so when you speed up the machine, you're now running it at design rate. You have zero speed losses, but you've just subplanted that zero speed loss with with that many more minor stops. And so, you know, that there's a relationship there to where you have to solution these minor stops in order for you to get back that design rate. Okay. So, so we're, we're quickly running out of time here and this could be a lengthy discussion in detail for every one of these buckets. But so answer me this, I'm the maintenance manager and, and I've done what you said. I, you know, I, I'm owning up to my end of the bargain here. But when I do the math, there's a significant amount of other units missing or unaccounted for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why, do, why do I care? I, like, I, I, I'm the maintenance manager. Why should I get involved in that beyond saying, hey, ops, you're not really holding up your end of the bargain? Well, a few things, right? One is you can choose not to do anything about it, and that's fine, right? And you can focus on your own maintenance department and getting better. But what you're going to find is no matter how great your maintenance department is, if your operations folks can't operate the line successfully, you've pretty much added no value back to the organization. And you're not going to win if you're always chasing your tail with operations. So somebody has to grab the bull by the horns. And because no one has done it thus far, if you're in this situation, why wouldn't you be the one to do it and lead the charge? Because the overall goal is to get better. And when you eliminate issues, your life gets a whole lot better. And it allows you time to focus on the right things in maintenance. And your mechanics aren't tied up making machine adjustments or teaching an operator how to run equipment, right? So why not grab the bull by the horns and just do it yourself? And then hold operations hands and lead them to water. But it requires you to understand this stuff well enough to educate others around you, to put standards in place, right? And start focusing on things like operator care where you're doing CILs and operators are taking care of equipment and, and they're doing their own changeovers and, you know, they're taking care of minor maintenance tasks. All that's the responsibility of the operator anyway. So why would you pay, you know, almost twice as much to have maintenance guys doing that work when they should be doing work that's more important? 
focusing on overall reliability. So. Yeah, I, I think there's a big misunderstanding of what reliability means in, in certain aspects. You, you know, the, when you define reliability, you say something like the, the probability that an asset survives a certain time period um, performing, a, you know, a specific function under stated conditions, right? So, so let's say you've got a box maker and, and supply chain gets thinner target and the thing's jamming every minute. Mm-hmm. The, did the asset, is the asset unreliable by that definition? It did exactly what it was supposed to do, but you gave it bad raw material. Mm-hmm. So is it unreliability of the equipment? Is it unreliability of the plant and its mission. I think when we think about maintenance and reliability, we're, we're performing our function for the sake of the asset, right? Right. This great maintenance strategy and maybe it never breaks down, but if it's not producing units, is it still reliable? Right. And that's where you thinking of reliability as only equipment related is very short-sighted. Right. Understanding that overall reliability of a facility means that you're operating at a world-class benchmark. And so it's machine is one of the four M's unless you expand it to six when you're looking at root cause. Machine is only one, but we a lot of times only think about machine. You know, well, there's people and there's processes and, you know, (laughs) there's all these other things that truly to be truly reliable, holistically, um, it requires all around reliability in every area, in every department. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, this loss discussion, it, it sounds like we literally just are at the tip of an iceberg. And we're, we're kind of out of time today. What are your final thoughts? Well, I would say um, if you're struggling with understanding losses or even assessing your losses, this is kind of our wheelhouse. So we have, you know, 12, 13 between line and plant turnarounds for different facilities um, by assessing losses and then helping with the implementation side on, on developing strategies and going after it. It's kind of our wheelhouse. So if you want some help with it, uh, don't be afraid to contact us. Uh, You can reach out to us on our website at reliabilityx.com, or you could email George or myself. George's email is george.williams at reliabilityx.com, and mine is joseph.anderson at reliabilityx.com. Don't be afraid to reach out, um, see, and maybe it's something that we could help you out with. Um, So I'd be more than happy to help. Awesome. Well, Joe, this has been a really good discussion. And again, I think we're going to have lots of follow-up discussions um, in much more detail around how to collect this information and the entire process of eliminating these losses or defects. um, In addition to, you know, helping folks achieve holistic reliability. So this has been really exciting. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, same. Have a good day.